Uh, I'm going to turn your attention here tonight to Genesis chapter chapter 3, and we're going to get into lesson 2. I started here a few weeks ago with lesson 1 and decided if I become pastor, we'll get to lesson (laughs) 2. And so... The Lord's really been working on me. I'll, I'll echo what I said that night, Brother Massengale. The Lord's really been working on me in this relationship between the heart and the mind and how I can please God. And I, I know that everybody in this room would say, I, I want to please the Lord. I want to please the Lord. And uh, that's really what we're working on. We've had prayer here tonight, so I want us to dive right into the Word. Genesis chapter 3 Let's read, verses, uh, let's read verses 1 through 6 for now. Tonight we're going we're gonna to really be focusing here a little bit more on the mind and the thoughts. How many know that that is the battlefield of today? Oh, it is. There's never been an attack like now against the mind and our thoughts. Or at least it's never been as clearly identified. I do think that it happens to go hand in hand with the fact that we're overrun by media and technology. I really do. There's some great studies on that. Some great books that can be read and should be read. Uh, And maybe we'll get into them uh, over the next year or so. We'll touch on those. And I appreciate some of you might be looking around. Hey, it's good. We've got Youth World going on tonight. We've got some exciting things taking place here this evening. Don't be worried if you're looking around wondering where some of the crowd is. They're here. They're just in other parts of the building. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, Dangerous moment here. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye Touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Watch this. It's amazing. Verse 6 says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise. It reminds me of that scripture that we would later hear. That all sin is able to come forth from the lust of the, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. When the woman saw it, what did she do? She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband, and he did eat. And, and for years, as long as you've been in church, whether you've been in church for 50 years or five minutes, I want to pause right here and say it's so good to see Stacy. I want to make sure I get it right. Stacy and Kayla, did I get it? Ashley and Kayla, we baptized them Sunday evening. So many of you had reached out to me. We feel better because you're here. Thank you for being here tonight. Ashley and Kayla. Uh, from the beginning of time, you know, in this argument, how many have ever have got into the debate of was it Adam's or Eve's fault? <laughs> how many men think it was Eve's fault? Oh, I feel. How many of you ladies think it was Adam's fault? 
Don't be intimidated. That's right. Both hands went up. Uh, I think it was both their faults. That's the safe answer. But I will tell you this. Adam's the one that God charged. And if you read it pretty closely, it looks like he sat there silent while his wife had a conversation with the devil. It's dangerous when men don't have the backbone to speak up. All right. I'm supposed to teach. I felt one of those little... Every preacher in the room said, Oh, I know what he felt right there. He just... Proximity and dialogue allowed the subtle serpent to introduce a question of God's word to Eve. Proximity and dialogue. Those are, there's a lot packed in that little statement. Proximity and dialogue. If you get comfortable in close enough proximity to him, eventually you will end up in dialogue with him. Say, well, I don't talk to the devil, Brother Carson. That seems absolutely extreme. It does in the form that we know and see him. But here in his subtle description, in this form where it's not a pitchfork or a dragon of revelation, just a subtle serpent. You know, the Bible gives us the opportunity to understand he can present himself in many ways. Sometimes he presents himself as a beautiful woman. Sometimes he'll present himself as an angel of light. That's why it's critical you know what it sounds like. And you understand whether it's contradiction, but proximity to him and that dialogue that was entered with him allowed the introduction of that question. Here's how you can know the root of it is not from the Lord if it questions the word of God. If it questions the Word of God. Well, Brother Carson, I'm not really sure if it questions the Word of God. Most of the time, you are able to find it very black and white. Very clear. I've, I've, I've heard, and so have you, a lot of people that have tried to justify new ideas. Well, show me in there right where it says. Come on now. The truth is, if we're not careful, we can work to validate any type of action. Look at verses 7 and 8. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. We see this great picture. The Lord wants communion with them. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. They hid themselves amongst his promise to hide from him. After they became partakers of what they should not have, now they begin to reason amongst themselves. So watch this, and, and you can see it on the screen. Satan used their eyes and the ears to manipulate their thoughts and ultimately their actions. How did that work? Got it in their eyes. And then he got in her ears. I've said this for a long time. Before Eve ever got her to take that fruit to her mouth, he got his lips to her ears. 
We talked a little bit a couple weeks ago about the danger of what we see. We also need to address the danger of what we listen to. And that might even be who we listen to. If you hang around negative people all the time, you will become negative. It's just the truth. That will rub off. It will come off on you. You you ever hug somebody with too much cologne on? You're wearing a little bit of that home. I know some people that when they walk into the building, everyone knows they're there. They like their cologne. Yeah, they're Macy's favorite customer. The truth is, when you hang around and you give your ears consistently to people, and let me pause and tell you this, there are people who want your ears. Oh, yes, they do. They want your ears, whether for positive or negative they want your ears. And I said positive or negative because I, I had somebody share an incredible, two people even before service, shared incredible testimonies with me and we thank God for that. But there are a lot of people that are looking to share negative reports and we've got to guard what our ears entertain. Satan used the eyes, yes, but he also used the ears to manipulate the thoughts. What you listen to can and will manipulate your thought process. Some of you still, here's a, here's a very basic. You, have you ever been at the altar? Don't raise your hand. But have you ever been at the altar? Or you go to prayer and you go to prayer and you get a little, you've prayed for a little bit. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever prayed for a little bit and all of a sudden I find I'm distracted and I wasn't even thinking about my. You ever found yourself with song lyrics in your head? Some of you that maybe listened to ungodly music years ago that you wouldn't even want anybody to know, but it's there in the file of your mind. You pull that old dusty file off, blow that thing off, and there it is in your mind, and you'll be in prayer. And those old lyrics find you. Why does it work that way? Because you heard them into your mind, and your mind was so wonderfully created by God, it's housing ability, and so it's, it is critical what we hear. I'm convinced of this. You can't listen to country music all day long and have a real positive outlook on life. I'm convinced of that. And I'm not just knocking it because some of y'all think I'm knocking it just because it's country music. You just can't listen to people singing all day long about cheating on their spouse and drinking. You just can't and think that that doesn't affect you. Well, Brother Carson, I don't live it, so it's okay to listen to what I cannot live or watch what I cannot repeat. It's okay to do those things. What that is is the consistent question of the Word of God. That's what that subtle serpent did. He put question of God. Hath God said? Thou shalt not. He introduces this important question. I want you to hear this, this uh, uh, quote here from, from Chris Thurman. You can read it. The lies we believe are especially costly because they generate toxic feelings of shame that damage us spiritually, psychologically, relationally, and physically. They damage us spiritually by causing us to run from God. Wow, doesn't that sound just like what Adam and Eve did? Well, what are the lies we believe? The lies we believe are when we change our worldview from a biblical worldview and start listening to what media and what secular society has promoted as the norm and or acceptable. 
How many know we've got to find our walking or our marching orders from the Word of God? That's the only way I can have a pure mind is to have my mind consumed with this Word. Let's look at the prophet Isaiah chapter 26 verses 3 and 4 if you're keeping notes. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Don't you recognize that all over this world there's industries trying to bottle perfect peace? I'm gonna, let, me, let me pause. I'm going to take a little controversial on my first official Wednesday night. Okay? For a long time it's been okay. We've accepted anybody that had a heart condition physically, but if they had a mind condition, it was of the devil. little ripple through the crowd right there. Here's the reality. He's able to feel, heal, and deliver regardless of it physical or spiritual. He's able to do that work. And I know many people that are testimonies that we could attach the names to that. But when someone is dealing with something mental, we need to recognize that that person has great context in their life. We've got to be careful not to judge them at face value, but understand that God, yes, He can touch them, but they might also need some time. They might also need some time to work through some things. You might not know that they were abused for 10 years as a child. There are some things that God and a good professional can help put back together. Somebody say amen to that. And uh, perfect peace they're trying to peddle. And I will tell you this, you cannot find perfect peace in a pill. You can't. Doesn't matter. Happiness is a, is a pursuit that we're after. And we're not supposed to chase happy, we're supposed to chase holy. And that's where perfect peace is found. In His presence is fullness of joy. But in Him we find perfect peace. Here's what it is. Whose mind is stayed on thee because He trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Ladies and gentlemen, anxiety is on the rampage. But I'm telling you, part of the reason anxiety is on the rampage is because we are so digitally overloaded. We are so digitally overloaded. We watch things right up until time to go to bed. Is this okay? It's right even if you think it's okay. We've got to guard what we're hearing and what we're watching. Anxiety is worth our minds. We're chasing happiness. And if we're not careful, the happiness we're chasing is being defined by people who them themselves do not even feel joy. One of the greatest bestseller counselors a few years ago, best-selling book on joy, committed suicide. I'm not, that's tragic. It breaks my heart. But the reality is, if the answer is not somehow tied to the Word of God, then it's going to be lacking. Trust in the Lord. He's where we find our hope. If we, wanna, if we want His rest and peace, we have to fix our minds. Everybody say, fix your mind. 
It's really a, a pun there. You, you need a fixed mind, then you need a fixed mind. You need to get it fixed on God and not our circumstances. I need to fix it on the things of God. Yeah, but this one is sick and this is due and, and I'm overwhelmed by... I've got to fix my mind on God. Mark chapter 12. Let's walk into the New Testament. Mark chapter 12. This is a, a pretty interesting interaction here between the Lord Jesus and one of the scribes here. We'll start at verse 28. And we'll, read, we'll read down all the way through 34 eventually here. And one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered, the first commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He reaches back to Deuteronomy 6, 4, says this is the first commandment. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment commandment he ties these things together because before you can love him don't you love how the Lord said this here before you can love him you need to know who you love that's why when we sing worship songs once you've had an encounter with Jesus Christ once you've been baptized in his name once he's touched you and you've been getting a journey when you sing songs about him it touches you in a different way he said, here it is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Let's focus on that foundational truth. And then you're to love him with what? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Well, Brother Carson, what does that have to do with the mind. Well, you caught it there in verse 30 that you've got to love him with all your mind regardless of when it makes sense and when it doesn't. That's when faith comes into play. Ladies and gentlemen, we start this faith with a virgin birth. Everything you've got is based on faith. How many still believe in it though? Just say amen. Yeah. And the reality is, he said, now the second is like, namely this, love your neighbor as yourself. So loving others is a battle against preconceived ideas and personal insecurities. To love others is harder mentally, I truly believe this, than physically. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Somebody said, well, Brother Carson, it is not my personality to reach out to people. But it was intrinsically woven into your DNA to love souls. It was. Somebody said, well, I received the Holy Ghost, but I, I, I've never reached for anybody. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it is intrinsically woven into you to desire to reach for people. To reach for souls. Now, I know that typically when we talk about reaching for people, we need to be shouting. And if you've seen me preach for at least three minutes, you know I'd be sweating. Bring the towel boy out. 
But we don't have to. Whether we are shouting, talking calmly, running aisles, or sitting, souls is what we're about. He said the second commandment is likely to it. You've got to love your neighbor like yourself, regardless of their income level. Oh, that's a battle of the mind, folks. Regardless of whether or not they're sitting in your spot when you come into church. Ah. Regardless of the fact that your parent might have been a racist and they're a different color. I know the first comment was a lot funnier, but is it true? There's not going to be a soul culture or a flesh culture in heaven. Loving your neighbor means even if it's a Samaritan by the wayside, even if they're from a place that you've never been to before. I had a conversation with someone today talking about reaching into areas that most of us in this room would never feel comfortable to reach into, but we're thankful that there's, we're thankful that there's people reaching into every area. Who is my neighbor? That's a question that would come. Who is my neighbor? I'll tell you who your neighbor is. Whoever God leads you to and gives you the opportunity to worship with. It was later said by Christ this way. If you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than the Pharisees? Or what do ye more than others? What do you do more than the scribes, the Pharisees? They come into public. You know, he would, he would chastise them at one point with their long public prayers. He said, if all you do is salute your brethren, he said, if the only people you talk to about the things of God are the people that already know about the things of God. Brother Carson, that's convicting. No, it bothers our minds. And what we're talking about is our mind. I've got to get past my own personal insecurities. I don't want you to raise your hand, but this would fit many in this room. It's tough to become bold enough to share your testimony. It's hard. What if they come back with questions that I don't have the answers to? That's what I have found is the number one deterrent for people witnessing. What if they ask me a question and I look dumb? Would you rather look dumb to them or disobedient to God? That's my question for me. When I'm looking in the mirror, when I'm sitting at the coffee shop and feel prompted to talk to somebody, that's my question. Well, am I responsible if, if, if they actually come? No, but I can do my part. What about the coworker you sit next to or the boss that you're... I think we've got it. We understand here where we're at. But it's a battle against the mind because one of the great tools of the mind is to convince us that they're not interested. Brother West going to D.C., one of the great, one of the great tools of the enemy will be that you'll see somebody in a three-piece suit that you know they're making several hundred thousand dollars a year and you'll think, well, that's maybe not be the demographic. That's when you know immediately that was not from the Lord. When thoughts like that come into your mind, I don't think they'll ever want it. When that, when that thought comes, the same way he designed you and the same way he designed me, Brother Sleva, it's, it is absolutely irregardless of their social status, regardless of their gender, regardless of their current lifestyle choices. Yes, it is. It's our job to do what? Simply to show the love of Christ to them. 
we battle through our own mind so that hopefully we can introduce their mind to one who can give them freedom and one who can give them joy, one who can give them peace. Let's read on down just a little bit here, verse 32. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God and there is none other but he. Don't you love how the scribe like tries to validate Jesus? Like pats him on the back like, good job, bud. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, great word to highlight right there, with all the soul understanding, this is really a contradiction word for the scribes who were themselves writing so much and building so much philosophy of their own. They had become so in love with their own mouths and their own speech and their own laws. They, they loved it. And so understanding... Um, there are some people who think they're so deep that only their private revelations, nobody else can really get it. I've got a, uh, my friend, I'll call him every now and then, and I'll run a thought by him, and I'll say, man, I'm thinking, Brother Turner, I'll tell him, I'm thinking kind of about preaching this. How's it, how's it sound? And, and, uh, and uh, he'll be real silent. I'd be like, no, no, let me tell you again. You, you, you might not, and I tell him again, and he's real silent. I'm like, does it make sense? Not really. Not really. If the revelation is so, this is what I try to tell young ministers too. If the revelation is so deep that only you get it, it's probably not a revelation. <laughs> okay? I remember when I was in Bible college, when I was in, in IBC, I had a, oh, Brother Gallion, I thought I had a great revelation. <laughs> it was not a great revelation. I spilled it out, man, and I, I brought it, and I, I thought I was sharing it very well and, and everybody just looked at me very stunned. And I said, no, I don't think you understand because what, what, uh, the, uh, the milk and nobody got it. You know why? It wasn't a revelation. It was me trying to find something that wasn't there because I was more concerned with trying to impress people with my theological excavation where if I would have just been sharing Jesus, it would have been a lot more effective. That's, that's the truth here. So he, he, he's talking to him here about this understanding. He goes on. He said, it's better than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Verse 34, when Jesus saw, he answered discreetly. He said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any question. Having a pure understanding cannot be accomplished outside of placing God as the top priority in our life. Ladies and gentlemen, when you get up, God ought to be the first person you talk to. When you go to bed at night, He ought to be the last person that you speak to. Can I just challenge you, before you answer a text message, talk to God. Lord, have mercy. Before you open Facebook, talk to God. And maybe talk to God during, just in case. He's got to be the start of it all. Somebody say, he's got to be the start. That's right. If we're going to be pure in our understanding, that's got to happen, okay? He's got to be our top priority. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. Let's see what Paul says on the issue. Great hero in discussion about the mind. For they that are... Verse 5, for they that are after 
the flesh do mind or obey the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you don't get a choice on whether or not you are a carnal person. Strive to be spiritual, but you are flesh and blood. Young preacher got up one night. The meeting was going long at a convention. Young preacher got the mic. He was really zealous. And he said, I'm about to start casting carnality out of this place. The older preacher said, better order some body bags. You're going to fight your flesh every day. The flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. You've got a tug of war going on inside of you all the time. What the word of God is saying, you could really help yourself win that battle if you would guard your mind. Because the carnal mind, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Don't those sound good? The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Why are we talking about the law in the New Testament? Just because we turn from one book to the next doesn't make the law obsolete. We need our moral code and our compass. We need the mandates of Scripture to lead and to guide us. I do not want my mind to be carnal. I want it to be on the things of the Spirit. But the truth is, like an individual, the more that you get to know them. How many of you remember the time? No, let's just, let's just run down memory lane a little bit. Remember when you first started dating and you asked all kinds of questions? Brother Ben, you're, you're close. I'm going to pick on you here. Remember, what's your f favorite color? What's your favorite? Remember asking, you, remember asking her those things? Do you know her favorite color? It's green, right? You know that. You probably haven't had to ask that in a long time, have you? Because you found out a long time ago, right? So when you buy certain gifts, maybe they're even green. Get her a little something, a little green. If not, maybe you should think about that. Just... <laughs> remember, those, remember those late nights where you stayed on the phone when you were first dating? No, you hang up. No, 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 you, you hang up. Sound like a stalker. <laughs> you were learning. Sister Stacy, do you know his favorite color? Yeah. She said, is that right? You know why? Know why there's a hesitation? You haven't had to ask in a long time. These are my friends, so I can pick on them here just a little bit. She hasn't had to ask that question in a long time because the Early questions of infatuation fade with time. And if you're not careful, just like marriages that somehow fall out of love, usually they fall out of love because they fall out of infatuation. They stop giving to each other in the most uh, intricate of details. Stop caring about the intricate details. Stop caring about one. You know, you used to ask her every time you put a tie on. Does this match? Now you're like, I don't even care. I don't even, it doesn't even matter. The little things. If we're not careful in the early relationship with Christ, every little word matters. We hang with 
bated breath. We were waiting. Every message moved us. Every Bible study compelled us. Everything. We couldn't wait to read through our bread chart. We couldn't wait to get through it. We, we, we wanted to digest and process. But somewhere over time, we became calloused. Here's what happens. There is an invasion into our time. Show me how you spend your money and show me how you spend your calendar and I'll tell you who you love. It's, it's just the truth. Where we invest our time and our resources shows our love. If you can watch a two or three hour movie but you can't read a chapter a day. Say, Brother Carson, don't be hard on us. I'm not. I'm trying to help us right now. Because what we're hearing and what we're seeing and what we're doing. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, if you work at a place of employment where they're consistently cursing and you're hearing things and there's conversations and dialogue, I know that you're there and I thank God you've got a good job. But you've got to go home, spend a little time in prayer, spend a little time in His Word and say, God, I want you to cleanse my mind, my thinking. I don't want my mind to begin to develop some some reality or worldview from this earth where sin is running rampant that begins to put me where I'm in between two worlds. We've got to keep our minds focused on Him because a carnal mind is enmity against God. The lies we believe cost us damage to four major areas. Our views of self, of others, of life, and of God. Of self, there's never been a season, I talked about anxiety, how often do we hear negative self-talk of others? I'm convinced this runs rampant in the church. I'm, I, am, I guess I got to tell you, when people over the last couple of weeks have come to me and said, this is my friend that I've invited and they're here, what that does for my heart, what that does for me, the encouragement that that brings, because it lets me know that you have got a godly view of yourself. It lets me know that you feel like you have the ability from God to bring someone else closer to Him. Ladies and gentlemen, is there possibly a higher calling than to in introduce somebody to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Of life and of God. And we don't have time tonight, but this will, we'll get here at some point. Suicide has run rampant, ladies and gentlemen, due to this very thing. The lies, the lies in our mind. Verse 8, so they, then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, ooh, this is a tough statement, but it's right. He is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. 
For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. Those that were here at the funeral, at the home going, you heard Brother uh, Jones speak about this very thing. You're not meant to be introduced to death in that way. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. A.W. Tozer was right when he said this great statement. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. When you hear His name. What do you think of when you hear His name? Most of, most of us in here would say, Mighty, powerful, personal, holy, wonderful. What you, what you think of when you hear about God. Maybe here's a little homework for you. What would you do if someone came to you tomorrow and said, Describe God to me. It should be tied to biblical foundation scripture but it should also be with your personal testimony because brother Healy I want to know what that word says but most people walk across a relational bridge to get to a spiritual experience and so in order for me to really meet God you've got to introduce me how many of you have ever recommended a contractor for someone right recommend a contractor they did great work on your home or did not recommend a contractor Recommend them. I've had so many people that have been introduced to me and immediately when they introduce them, they begin to talk about their accolades or something that they have done or accomplished and it's helping tie them together but what it's doing is validating that person. Ladies and gentlemen, the worlds could not contain the books that would try to validate the greatness of the God that we regularly worship. A little homework for us would be to consider how would we describe Him for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Verse 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we are children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, somebody needs to hear this right now, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, the sufferings that you're enduring that are trying to tell your mind to give up, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I believe that. I believe that word. We are currently reaping all of the deadly consequences of being at odds with God's view of reality. Why is sin running rampant? Because our world is at odds. People don't like me and I don't understand it. The Bible says they're going to hate you. Why? For his namesake. And ladies and gentlemen, that's a good reason to be hated. That's a good reason to be hated. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Be done very quickly. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living 
sacrifice. Now, we quote that real easy, but we live that real tough. <laughs> How many would be honest? That's easier to quote than live. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. But here's the kicker, which is your... Oh, help us, Lord. I've had some great young men come to me and talk to me about the things. Uh, um, I'm always nervous if anyone tries to validate why they should be used. My first question is always, what Bible study are you teaching? It's always the same. But then anyone comes up, but I've had so many instances where someone comes up and says, I've been paying my tithes. Okay. And I've been, I've been praying every day. Wonderful. I come to church faithful. Whole list of things. Reasonable service. Nothing qualifies us or makes us entitled. Ladies and gentlemen, at our very best, we can't earn this. Well, it's just a Wednesday night Bible study. Do you know how many people, if they could feel one ounce of this joy, we couldn't contain it. We could not get them in this place if they really knew what it felt like to feel the peace of God and the joy of God and the delivering presence of God. My, my. And so I've got to tell you, for us to try to live holy and live righteous, trying to be separated from the world, it's, it's just a reasonable, just a reasonable service. Well, Brother Carson, I don't watch those things I used to watch, and you're better for it. I, I don't even run around with those people anymore, and aren't you better for it? I've never had one person that we worked through a program and prayed through and got them baptized in Jesus' name that didn't tell me they felt better after than they did before. The application for how to live with a renewed mind is focused and hidden in Philippians 4.8. I want us to go there as we end. Stand with me. Brother Carson, this is great. I want a clean mind. I want a pure mind. I want to live in peace. I want to live in help. So how do I do it? Well, let's look. Finally, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, lovely, of a good report and if there be any virtue if there be any praise think on these things many of us would feel so much better if we would teach our brains to stop focusing on the negative ladies and gentlemen the news Peddles the negative. They are masters of hysteria. You let something good and something bad happen on the same road in the same hour, what are they reporting? 
in the middle of all the riots the second day after the riot there were about as many people standing at some of those shops cleaning up the property Private news feeds had to air that because none of the major headlines wanted to touch it. Why? Because negativity sells. We cannot allow that worldview to cling on to us where we peddle the negative but we keep the positive silent. So we've got to think on some things. The things that are true. I'm going to tell you, if you don't even get to the others but you'll just get to the truth... Anybody remember like me, mom just kind of got fed up with you when you were a kid and, and finally looked at you and said, tell me the truth. Anybody? Yeah, you know. You remember. It was, it was, it, it was. You, you better tell me. Tell me the truth. They use your whole full name. You knew it was time. That's where I feel like we're at right now. Just tell me the truth. Because the lies of the world are, they're telling me that, that, that my gender doesn't even matter. Telling me that the word of God doesn't matter. Telling me being alcohol, it's just, it's just a condition, doesn't matter, doesn't, can't even help it. Getting our truths from people that do not even love the word of God. I got to start right there. What things are true? I don't think she even loves me anymore. Well, hold on to the truth that at the altar she said she would. I'm parking there for a second. I'm, I'm in the Holy Ghost right here. Hear me now. You got to cling to what you know is true, whether you feel it or not. And if you think that that's happening in your relationship, then you need to confess it to your spouse, not your buddy. Because your ungodly friend at work may validate your separation. Man, I'm just trying to do a Bible study, but I'm talking to somebody right now. When you get to that place, you've got to stand on what is true. I don't feel it anymore then stand on what's true until you do. This word, this word that they've tried to abolish and burn and destroy, this, this word is true. If you believe it, I want you to lift your hands towards heaven right now and I want you to pray that God would help us to be renewed in our minds. Mm. I really feel like that's our prayer for tonight. God, help me to focus on what's true. I'm telling you, I feel unction of the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody pray, God, help me focus on what is true. Not the lies that have tried to invade your mind. Not the lies that the world is peddling or the negativity that's being bombarding you. No, no, no. The truths of the Word of God. 
God, renew. 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 Because that's what Paul told them there in, in Romans. It's by the renewing. Don't, 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 don't. Don't be conformed to the world. Be ye rather transformed by the renewing, the renewing. How do I renew my mind when I get up in the morning? I believe His Word is true. If you're someone that fights depression, when you get up in the morning, you need to look yourself in the mirror and say, I believe the Word of God is true. He, he did design me. He does have good things for me. If your marriage has been under attack, I challenge you in the Holy Ghost. Tell your wife tonight before bed, I love you and I stand by the vows we made. When's the last time you told your spouse that? I'm still true to the vows we made. God, I thank you for your presence that we feel in this house. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for our time in study. These are amazing people trying to seek your face, trying to be like you. Many of them have worked a long day, maybe even tired in their mind, and I'm praying you to give them strength that you'd renew their spirit and bless them. I'm praying blessings mentally, emotionally, spiritually. God, that you would help us to walk after you, that we would turn the distractions aside. And we would focus on who you are and what you have for us to do. Lead us tomorrow to somebody that maybe we can talk to. That we could give them our perspective of who you are and what you've been to us. That your house might be full. That we might bring somebody or a friend might meet us here Sunday morning. Some friend that's been in the middle of a devastating situation. I failed maybe to even understand that I've been facing such persecution because the devil wants me so bombarded by my own thoughts that I'm distracted too much to introduce someone else to you. Help us to feel equipped and strengthened by your word. Lead us away in your presence. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let everybody say amen if you believe it.